We all want to feel peace in our lives, peace in our choices, our beliefs, our relationships, and our environment. I've learned that this desired contentment is often found through holding on to less. When we pare down what we own, what we consume, and what we value, we're left with what's intentional, a personalized curation of what is important and true and useful to us. I'm Shannon Laco, and you're listening to Paring Down, a podcast aimed at helping you declutter not only your home, but any area of your life that's overwhelming. Here, we're having interesting and honest conversations about the physical and mental clutter that drowns out what truly matters to each of us. And together, we'll learn how to pare it all down, not for the sake of perfection or becoming rigid, rather so we can move through life with less overwhelm and more joy, wisdom, and peace. Hey, you guys, I'm so happy you're here this week. I've got a solo episode for you today. The last three weeks, we've had really incredible guests on, but it kind of feels fun to just be me and you today. Uh, And we are in the middle of the Paring Down Relationships mini series here on the Paring Down podcast. Just for three weeks as we lead into Valentine's Day, I thought it would be fun to just focus our energy on relationships, specifically romantic relationships and different areas of decluttering that can affect those relationships. So if you haven't listened to last week with world-renowned psychologist and couples therapist, Dr. Tracy Dalgleish, all about what to do if your partner doesn't want to declutter and handling that dynamic, I definitely suggest going back and taking a listen to that. It is so insightful. And today I'm going to walk you through my love story and kind of pare down what I've learned about relationships and what really matters when it comes to choosing the person that we love. I just think love stories are fun. So today is a little bit of a step away from normal decluttering content when it comes to paring down, Uh, but we're going to be right back into that next week when my husband himself comes on the podcast to share his journey of decluttering and what that dynamic has been like between the two of us, because he is someone who holds on to everything. I am someone who wants to get rid of everything. I know so many couples can relate to this dynamic. And so I wanted to offer kind of like a firsthand account of mistakes we've made, things we've done well, how he's grown. He can offer his perspective and uh, and we could just kind of talk through what that experience has been like for us. So that's what's coming up next week and today. And I do want to say that it's one of those times I am recording on a weekend when my children are home. So you might hear some random loud noises. They usually sound somewhat similar to like a herd of elephants or like a screaming uh, group of banshees. Usually it's one or the other. And uh, if you hear those noises, neither of those animals are in my house. It is, in fact, human children making such chaotic noises. Uh, It's weird because I record in my closet, as every professional does, obviously. And even though this is the quietest room I could find in the house to record, it does, in fact, share a wall with the playroom. (laughs) So anyway, we'll see what happens. Okay, so today we are paring down my love story and specifically seven things that I learned about love along the way. Big picture, I cast a pretty wide net before meeting my husband when I was 20. I guess I was 26 when we met. I turned 27 shortly after, which for me felt old. Now looking back, I'm like, girl, 
you are just a young little baby doe. But, you know, I, I've always been one of those people that wants to get married and have kids. I think sometimes that is put on people's hearts and sometimes it's not and there's no better or worse. But it was definitely something I had always really wanted in my life. And so uh, by the time I turned 24 and that had not yet happened, I was a little shooketh up, you know, like I was a little upset about it. And so I kind of dove in head first with basically anyone that I met or that I was talking to or dating or whatever in hopes that they would be the right person. And uh, thank goodness that most of the time they broke up with me. Sometimes I broke up with them, but it didn't work out. Even though I cast this really wide net, it didn't work out until it was supposed to. And I... (laughs) Thank God for that, because honestly, I would have married some of those dudes and woken up a couple years later and been like, this was not a great choice. Uh, So anyway, I'm going to walk you through the seven things I learned about love along the way to getting to my husband um, through kind of walking you through the seven, I would say, most influential relationships I had before him. Seven might sound like a lot to you, but let me tell you. That wasn't all of them. It was more than seven by the age of 20, 27 years old. Um, I always was dating someone pretty exclusively at any given point, I feel like. (laughs) But um, let's start with kind of the questions that have come to my mind or things that I've learned. And then I'll go back and tell you how I learned them. So big questions. How do you know when someone is right for you? Like, is it true that when you know, you know? What is it that we think love is when we're young? And is that actually love? Is it okay to stay with someone just out of circumstances? Uh, Can you actually trust your gut? How do you know when you're just better off as friends? Um, Why are we willing to change ourselves so much just to be loved? And is having a lot in common enough? These are all questions that I'm going to answer on this podcast. And even though I know most of you are probably in long-term relationships, I still think it's fun to go back, answer some of these questions, and reevaluate where we are in our current relationship and hopefully find gratitude and peace that we have finally found the person that really uh, is best for us. We've pared it all down. We've gone through the dating pool. We did it. We found that person. Or maybe it can just kind of give us some thinking points of how we can improve our relationship and improve our communication or uh, do some self-work to make sure that our relationships are in a healthy state. So I'm excited to do this and I'm going to walk you through these seven most influential relationships that I've had in my life. I will not be using their real names. Uh, I should have come up with like aliases ahead of time, but I'm just going to come up with random aliases as I go. I'm going to have to write them down as I go. So when I reference them again later in this conversation, I'm not like, wait, what did I call that dude? Okay. So (laughs) we're going to start with my first love in high school and let's call him, I don't know, let's call him Tyler because his name was definitely not Tyler. Um, I think I just pulled that out of my butt because I saw like a post recently online about Hannah Brown's ex-boyfriend, Tyler, the like, what's his last name? You guys know who I'm talking about. If you watch The Bachelorette, the like super hot construction guy. Anyway, that's where Tyler came from for me. Um, Okay. So uh, when I was a teenager, I obviously like most teenagers really thought love was all about these, like this passion and proclamations of love and like us against the world. And that really showed up in my first relationship. Um, so I 
have shared about this a little bit, not a ton, but I grew up in a fundamentalist church that in most circles is considered a cult. I actually did a whole podcast episode about that experience on the Balanced Male podcast. So if you look up the Balanced Male, which even though I'm not a male, I was a guest on this podcast. And um, you can look that up with my name with Shannon Laco or just Shannon, and it should pop up if you want to hear my story about growing up in the cults. But anyway, this, I was not allowed to date outside of this organization uh, because again, it's a cult. So there's a lot of control going on. And one of the most, I guess, influential ways to control someone is through who they can and cannot have a relationship with. But anyway, the point is that I dated this guy, Tyler. He was the elder's son, go big or go home. And it was a very secretive relationship because we were not given permission to date. We were, you know, driving around, making out, doing things that, you know, you're not supposed to do when you're in this very fundamentalist church. Uh, And to us, it felt like love because it was so passionate. And he was a guitar player and he wrote songs about me. And it really did kind of feel like us against the world because we didn't want anyone to find out. And I quickly have learned that if it feels like it's you against the world, that probably means there's a fair amount of codependency going on. There's a fair amount of maturity that needs to happen. And, you know, and that it's not a relationship that is bringing out the best because those around us who truly love us, our family, our friends, they hopefully want to be on your team too. And I think that's something beautiful with Aaron that I have is that it's certainly not us against the world. It is us as a team, but it doesn't mean that we don't lean on other relationships and we don't value insight and advice and all of that. So I would say what I learned with Tyler is the biggest lesson is that love is more than just passion and proclamations and us against the world. It's not Romeo and Juliet, right? Uh, There's a maturity to love that is so powerful once you grow up a little bit and realize that you and your teammate are so much stronger when you have the support of other people in your life. Okay, so moving on is to my first long-term relationship as a, quote, adult. We started dating when I was I say it was 18, 18, almost 19. Uh, And we dated for two and a half years. So this was the first person that I was with outside of church. Let's call him, hmm, let's call him Brandon. (laughs) These are just very random names I'm coming up with. Um, Okay, so uh, what I learned with Brandon was that love cannot be built on fear or circumstance. Those can be the same thing, right? So when we stay with somebody because we're afraid of what our life would look like without them, or it's just easier to stay with them. That's not love. Uh, And I get it. Like, I'm not saying that I judge anybody who stays in a relationship because, you know, of their kids or because of financial struggles or whatever. Like we all have reasons why we might be staying in relationships, especially as we get older and life is a little bit more complicated. However, if at all possible, it's so important to not build our relationship on fear Uh, because I was with Brandon 
for longer than I should have been. He was a great guy. I'm sure he's still a great guy. I don't really know anything about his life anymore. But um, but so much of it was because I had left that cult, left that organization, and I lost everybody that I knew with the exception of my mom, dad, and brother. But, like, they treat you like you're dead. They call you a fall away. And uh, I had no support system in my life. And I, that's all I had known since I as far as I could remember since I was like two years old, you know? And so when I was with him, I felt like I had this safety net and I consciously did not realize that when we were dating, but it's so easy to look back and realize that the reason I had my clutches on him so tightly and I would get really jealous and all of those, I don't know, those behaviors that are pretty typical for a relationship when you're like 19 and 20 years old, it's like you you know, you just can't stand to be away from them for even for a minute. And even if you're not having like the best time when you're together, it just feels like an extension of you and you can't imagine your life without them. And you're excited for the idea of like maybe getting married and you have all of these big dreams for the relationship when in reality, the relationship itself isn't that enjoyable or great, (laughs) you know, but when it's built on fear Uh, Fear for our future, worried that we're never going to find somebody else, Uh, fear of not having a support system outside that person, Um, just circumstance being so much easier if you just stay, then we're really not allowing ourselves to experience the full depth of of love that, mm, that isn't just based on security. And love should be secure, but not based on security. I hope that distinction makes sense. So that's a huge thing I learned with Brandon is that love cannot be built on fear, fear for our future, fear of our circumstances. So those are the two first lessons with Tyler is love is more than passion. And with Brandon, it can't be built on fear. Lesson number three was with let's call him Bob. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> a very attractive name. <laughs> so Bob, um, I learned with him, the big lesson is that love cannot be unevenly distributed. This is somebody who I was in a situationship with for a year and a half. We were exclusive, but he didn't want to call me his girlfriend. Uh, and I was so madly in love with this guy. Oh, man. I just, I would drive for two hours every weekend. I'd graduated college by the second half of our situationship and he lived two hours away and I would drive up to see him like every single weekend. He never came down to see me ever. Um, He never put in the work. He, even when we lived only 20 minutes from each other, he never came to me. I always went to him, you know, and at the end of the day, he probably just didn't like me as much as I liked him, (laughs) you know, Um, which like, okay, sucks, sucks to be me. But I worked so hard to make that work. And I know that part of him really did care about me. But ultimately, love just cannot be unevenly distributed. Like there has to be equal uh, effort, equal investment, equal feelings. It just doesn't work if one person is more into someone than the other person. And learning throughout life not to take that, that so personally. Easier said than done. But like sometimes you can't explain what makes you love someone. You just can't. And he just I'm sure he just didn't love me. And we never really had that conversation. But uh, I think whatever it was just didn't do it for him, you know? And 
And that's okay. It doesn't make me a bad person, right? In maturity and looking back, I can be like, okay, well, whatever. Like I, we just didn't have the right chemistry or whatever it needed to be. Um, but at the time, it's so easy to just push, push, push and try and give, give, give and think that like the better I am, the more I do, the more I show up, the more that they'll love me. And it's just never going to work that way. Okay. So that was lesson number three with good old Bob. It cannot be unevenly distributed. All right. Number four. Actually, would it be fun for you to know how I met these people? Okay. I told you Tyler was from church. I met, well, Brandon was in college and Bob was, I was working as a singer at Bush Gardens Williamsburg <laughs> and I basically was a carny. No, I'm kidding. Now, is that a bad word? I've heard someone say that that is like not nice. I don't, I don't, I hope I'm not offending anyone who works in like a circus. If anyone who works in a circus is listening to my podcast, I think you're really cool. But anyway, I worked at a theme park and like people would jokingly call me a carny. It never offended me. I just thought it was funny. But anyway, that has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But I met him because he went to college close to that theme park and we met at a bar and I thought he was really cute. And I basically struck up a conversation with his friends because he was quiet in order to get to him. So he did not pursue me, which <laughs> really showed up in that situationship. I definitely was the one that was interested first. I, who knows? Anyway, moving on from Bob. Okay, the next two are like combined into one lesson. So it's actually, I guess, eight relationships I'm talking about today with seven big lessons. So number four and five person, let's call them Nick. Nick, because I already, he's written about in my book. My book is called You're Completely Normal. And in it, I talk about Nick. And even though that's not his real name. And then the other one, let's call him Schlick. <laughs> Nick and Schlick. Okay, so Schlick is not a real name, but now it should be. You can name your child Schlick and be like, I got it from the Paring Down podcast. And people would be like, you have a problem. Change that name immediately. Um, Nick and Schlick taught me that there has to be mutual respect. This is slightly different than unevenly distributed. Okay. So mutual respect means like one person is not like in a higher level of power or stage in life where it's hard to take the other person super seriously. So with Nick, he was 13 years older than me. I was 22 and he absolutely pursued me. He showed me in many ways what it means to be treated really, really well in a relationship. And with all these relationships, I learned great things. Most of these guys are excellent dudes. Um, you know, and so I learned that with Nick. But at the same time, I was a 22-year-old working at Cheeseburger in Paradise and probably moving to New York soon to pursue singing. Like my life was on that really, it was in that fun stage of life where you're just like figuring it out and just like being a little silly. And Nick was 36 or 37 with a kid and like a full human job, right? Like not that working at Cheeseburger in Paradise isn't. I do not want to downplay serving tables because serving tables is such a legit job and career. And actually I would kind of love to go back to it at some point. It's really quite fun to me. But anyway, the point is, is he was in a very different life stage than me. And so I don't think he fully respected me. I just think he like thought I was interesting to talk to and probably pretty hot for a 22 year old, right? Like 
Like, I think that's what it was. And I totally had started falling for him. It was not a long relationship, but I think that there was a lack of mutual respect there. And then right after him, I ended up dating someone younger than me after I moved to New York, who we had been friends first. And this is Schlick. And Schlick was great. But I, again, I think I ended up on the higher power level in the sense that I was 23, 23, 24, living in the city and he was like still a sophomore in college. And so he like couldn't even drink legally yet. <laughs> so, you know, I just felt like there was such a huge gap in terms of our relationship. And it's weird because looking back, he actually has more power in terms of life. Like uh, he's his family's like kind of a big deal. So I didn't know that when we met and we became friends. I did not know that I was dating like this um, very extremely wealthy trust fund type of a person whose last name I can't even tell you because, well, I'm calling his first name Schlick. And I certainly can't tell you his last name because you would know who I'm talking about because he's his family's very famous. I did not realize that his last name was the same last name as this famous brand. And then I, it was a lot. Okay. So it's interesting. So when I say power, I don't mean wealth, money, status, because this guy who was younger than me had all of that in droves and dating him honestly was super fun. He was a great guy. First of all, obviously I didn't care if he had money because I had no idea when we met and we had been friends for like a year before I found all this out when we were dating, um, like who he was and who his family was, but, um, he was a great guy. So, but beyond that, like it was fun to date him because we got to go to some really cool events in the city. And like, I was in a VIP section with One Direction. I didn't even know who they really were at that point. Um, <laughs> I was like, who are these young guys here? Uh, and everyone's like, that's Harry Styles. And I was like, oh, okay, who's that? And now years later, I'm like, I should have hit on Harry Styles that night. No, um, you know, so it was a cool experience. And I got to see Will Smith perform like 12 feet in front of me on an aircraft carrier for the Men in Black 3 premiere. Like there were some neat perks to dating this young man. But again, not a gold digger, not why I was with him. And I think ultimately we were just in different stages of our life. And I don't want to say I didn't respect him, but in some ways I think that was a piece of it. It's like, I just didn't feel like he understood where I was in life. Similar to Nick, he probably felt like I couldn't understand certain things about his life because he was older. Age isn't, age isn't really anything ain't nothing but a number, but like life, like where you are in life does matter, you know? Okay. I spent a lot of time on Nick and Schlick. Sorry about that, but also you're welcome. Okay. So lesson number four was there has to be mutual respect. Lesson number five is what I learned with, oh, I'm running out of guy names because it's just like, you know, you can think of them all. And then when you put on the spot and they're like, think of a guy's name, you're like, uh, I can't think of a single boy. <laughs> Okay, let's call him Kevin. Kevin. Okay, so what I learned with Kevin is that friendship isn't enough. So this guy I met through my brother. And so he had rave reviews as being like an amazing human. And I absolutely loved spending time with him. He was like treated me so well. He was so nice. We had the same sense of humor. We laughed and we laughed. And he was just like the best person. And he still is. I still think he's such an awesome person. We were excellent friends, but, you know, you have to be able to have a, like a certain level of 
chemistry that's different than friendship, of course, but also like you need to be able to to like fight and argue in a way that's healthy. And he and I didn't have that. We were amazing friends, but our arguments uh, made both of us just feel really terrible. We did not handle those well. And I don't think it had to do with our, of course, we could have done things better, right? When you're arguing, odds are both of you could be doing something better in that moment. But like, I would really, I'm very spicy and he's just was too nice. (laughs) Like, I know that I ended up really, like he would feel really flustered when we'd argue because I can talk a million miles a minute and I'm like, it really, um, fiery I guess versus like my husband now he's like very even keeled but like it doesn't phase him he's he's just like okay cool you know and then it doesn't really like hurt him deeply even when I apologize like I know that he's he's okay and with Kevin I knew that it was too much for his gentle soul I was too much for his gentle soul so with him I learned that friendship just isn't enough and that was really hard because I loved being around him. I loved being in his presence. And people always talk about marrying your best friend. Uh, but there is more to it than that. Okay, the next one, we're going to call him Lobster. I'm just going to call him Lobster. It's what I'm going to do. Okay, so with Lobster, I learned that you, if you change yourself for the person, then it's not going to work. You cannot worry that you're not enough. That relationship will just not work out. So I met Lobster through mutual friends and I felt so special at first in this relationship because he was known for like not really being able to get over his ex that he had been with for a super long time. And I was told I was like the first girl that he had like taken out on a date in like 10 years. And, you know, he really treated me super well. He was like, always initiating and I just totally fell hard I really thought I was like this is my person I I actually said with him like when you know you know which is how I learned that that is just not always true (laughs) even though with my husband I now like know that I know right but sometimes we can say that and think that and then not even realize uh that we are reaching because we want it so bad. You know, I would say I wanted it really bad with lobster and I didn't even realize how much I was changing myself, but I did always feel this sense that I wasn't enough for him. And I say that because he was like a jock in high school and in college and in adulthood. I mean, he was in his thirties by this point, but like you know, he loved working out. He was in really good shape. He was kind of a party boy all of these things that I am very much not. And like, I've always enjoyed being in somewhat good shape, but like, I don't want to get up at, at six o'clock on a Saturday morning or like first thing on Saturday and go to the gym. Like, that's just like, not my style. (laughs) And that was his. And like, I am not a party animal. I don't know if I've shared this on here before, but my nickname when my early twenties, especially living in New York, I think is where I got this nickname is Shani the granny. I, couldn't stay up past 11 p.m. when I was in my early 20s, much less now. So, you know, our lifestyles didn't really fit. He kind of had this, I don't know, he's just different, right? Like I didn't grow up popular and athletic. 
and or good looking. Like I did not grow up any of those things. And he grew up all of those things. And it doesn't mean he's a jerk, but like he certainly was a little judgmental when it came to people's bodies, to how women looked. Um, he didn't really, uh, his values didn't align with mine when it came to his partying and all of that. And so I didn't even realize I was doing it because I really liked who he was one-on-one. I loved our time together. Obviously I enjoyed him and thought he was really sweet and all of these things. So I, but I felt a lot of pressure to like, make sure that I was thin enough and in shape enough. And I, and he would even compare my, my like strength, right? Like my, he'd be like, you're not quite as in good a shape as so-and-so and so-and-so. And And he would like rank the women that we were friends with in terms of who is in good enough shape. And he would say that it's not like an attraction thing, but it felt like I was not as attractive because I didn't have as much muscle as X, Y, and Z, you know? And it was really a time in my life that like, I was devastated when he ended it, like totally devastated. But, um, but looking back, you just can't worry that you're not enough. If you're worried at all that this person, and at first I wasn't worried. At first he was super into me, but then I could sense that like he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he didn't stay as interested in me. And you just can't worry that you're not enough. You cannot try and change yourself. You know, it's similarly, it's similar to when I talked about Bob and I said it can't be unevenly, unevenly distributed in terms of like visiting or never putting in the work. But it's different because Lobster put in the work in terms of trying to see me and wanting to see me. But I still just felt like he's going to find out I'm a fraud. Right. And even looking back, I'm like, ooh, I'm really glad that didn't work out because I'm pretty sure he would not have been as gentle with me, like even postpartum as my husband was because I gained a lot of weight while I was pregnant. And I've never had to worry for even like one second that my husband's not attracted to me or is judging me or anything. Right. And I don't think that would have been the case with lobster. So I think he just needed to find someone who, um, was more naturally a good fit for him. Um, and I think he did actually his current wife I've seen online. She's very cute and beautiful and wonderful. And I am sure she's more than just being small and in shape, but she also looks like she's small and in shape. So you know what? Good for them. (laughs) Um, okay. And the last one I have, lesson number seven, is that compatibility is not enough. This is a little different than friendship um, because shortly after Lobster, I started dating a guy named, let's call him uh, John. Why not? So with John, I had so much in common with him. We actually kind of met through Lobster. Well, kind of like through that same circle of friends. And uh And it just kind of made sense on the outside. We were both musicians and we were both very driven and outgoing and we're both pretty charismatic people. And I think we looked pretty good together and we had a lot of fun together. We had a lot in common, just a lot in common. And that chemistry just wasn't there. It just wasn't. I remember one night we like went for a drive and this was a very brief kind of thing. Like this was not a full on relationship by any means, but it still was a good lesson for me, um, which is why I'm sharing it here. Um, We dated for probably, I don't know, two months. uh, And I say dated, like probably not exclusively. Um, But, you know, we went on a drive one night and I remember he like pulled over onto this overlook, overlooking some river. (laughs) 
And it was right when that song, Ed, the Ed Sheeran song came out. It was a, we found love right where we are. Is that one? Is that Evergreen? Yeah, I think that was where we are. Uh, anyway, I won't continue giving you a concert, but yeah. Anyways, it was like a very romantic uh, Ed Sheeran song that was huge at the time, and I loved it. And he turned that song on with the doors open of his truck, and we like danced under the stars. But you know what, you guys? We didn't kiss. Like, neither of us felt it. If you can't feel it while you're listening to Ed Sheeran under the stars, it's not it, folks. That I don't care how compatible you are. <laughs> I don't care how much you have in common. Um, yeah, that's not your person. So we learned that. I think it was shortly after that. We were both like, hmm, we're good. Um, so those are the big seven lessons. Love. It is more than passionate proclamations and us against the world. It cannot be built on fear. It cannot be unevenly distributed. There has to be mutual respect. Friendship isn't enough. You cannot worry that you're not enough. Like you cannot change yourself. And compatibility is not enough. So, you know, with Aaron, I am happy to say with my husband that all of these lessons are, you know, very clear, even more so now that I'm with him. And I'll tell you next week how Aaron and I met. We'll share our little origin story, our meet cute, if you will, next week. But, you know, I've really never had to worry about any of these hard lessons with Aaron. He's made it very, very clear to me uh, just how powerful these lessons are because I don't experience them with him. Like I mentioned, we're a team, but we don't think we're the only ones who can fulfill each other. Like we value friendships and advice and know that love is a choice more than it is just passion. Um, it's certainly not built on fear. I actually gave him space to figure out his past the first couple of weeks that we knew each other, I was very okay with the idea of letting him go because I actually thought he was going to get back together with his ex. And so I did not get super emotionally involved. Like I, our base was not built on fear. I was not afraid of what my future would look like without him, even though we had incredible chemistry and all of the things seemed really great. Weirdly enough, people say, oh, this was such a fast relationship because my husband and I only dated for two months before we got engaged. But oddly enough, out of all the guys I've dated, I had my clutches on the least with Aaron. Like it was <clears throat> definitely a slower emotional opening up than with other people I had dated. Like I was cool moving forward with the relationships and really didn't have, have high expectations until like, it sounds dumb, but like a couple weeks in we'd seen each other a lot. We'd spent a lot of time together. And it was one of those things that felt like it was moving fast, but internally it was not moving fast for me until he made some very, very clear uh, lines in the sand that he wanted this to be serious. Uh, okay. So the next lesson is it can't be unevenly distributed. I have never, never felt like initiation was a game, like who initiated or who didn't with Aaron. Like I Never felt like I had to go to him or it wouldn't be reciprocated. Like, it's always been really, really mutual. And the respect. We were in similar stages of life. You know, we understand each other's strengths and weaknesses. I feel like he's really chivalrous, but I've also never felt meek. But I've also never had to feel like matronly, you know? Like, I don't feel like I'm in charge of him, you know, and this gets a little bit tricky with kids now. I'm sure many of you can relate to this, that like, sometimes I feel like I have to take the lead too much and that can lead to resentment in any relationship. 
And so we've had to really work on making sure that the mental load is evenly distributed because that's part of respect on both sides. Like I'm not going to respect him as much as he would like and as much as I would like if he's not taking things on and seeing things with the kids. And he needs to respect me and make sure that my sanity is in place by stepping up. And so we've had to do some adjusting there. But, you know, as a whole, I feel like we respect one another very deeply. Uh, Like, I just think he's the smartest and funniest and kindest person on the planet. You know, I just I respect who he is as a person. Okay, the next one, friendship is not enough. Uh, Obviously, Aaron and I have chemistry beyond just friendship. He is my best friend. We all the things that I felt with. What did I call him? Who is that one? Uh, I called this person Kevin. Where you have to fight without hurting each other, you know, and Kevin used to get really hurt. You know, Aaron handles me really well. Uh, Our friendship, it's more than just friendship, right? Like we just handle each other super, super well. Um, Okay, the next was you cannot worry that you're not enough. Uh, I've never had to change myself. I never had to worry about my my appearance. I've never had to feel like, am I being too silly, too goofy? Am I too much of a home buddy? Am I too much of this? Am I not enough of that? Like, I truly have never had to change myself for my husband. And it is the best feeling in the world because he loves me for me. Don't we all want that? If we change ourselves, then how do we know that we're ever truly lovable for exactly who we are, which is exactly what we want. We want to know that fundamentally we are loved and lovable. And you will not find that out if you alter yourself at all, because then they don't even have the opportunity to love you as who you are. You know, it doesn't mean we can't grow and change and obviously hopefully become the best versions of ourselves we can be. But ultimately, we want to be loved for who we are. And lastly, compatibility is not enough. You know, that chemistry has to be there similar to the friendship thing. And Aaron and I, we do have a fair amount in common, but we also don't have a lot in common. Like his interests are pretty different than my interests. I mean, we both love to be adventurous. So I feel like that has served our relationship really, really well is like going on adventures, taking her family on adventures. Um, We have that kind of compatibility, but, you know, we, I would say, are interested in the things the other person is interested in because we love one another (laughs) as a whole. Um, I'm very interested in eating the food that he bakes, but I'm not interested in baking. (laughs) We're compatible in that sense. He makes the food and I eat it. There you go. So anyways, but compatibility is not enough. You got to want to kiss under the stars if you're playing an Ed Sheeran song by the water. Okay. All right, guys. Well, I hope that was like kind of fun for you. I know it was a step away from my usual episode, but I think it's important to pare down what matters in our relationship and what is healthy and what isn't. And yeah, it feels really good to have pared down what love is. I guess that's really ultimately what I've been talking about, paring down the meaning of love. What does love look like? And we learned some hard lessons along the way. I'm sure I am not the only one. And if you have any other lessons you've learned in addition to the seven that I shared here, please DM me on Instagram. I want to hear it. I want to hear your love stories. I want to hear who you dated before you ended up with your partner. If you haven't ended up with somebody yet, I want to hear all about how you're feeling about that, lessons that you're learning, or if you are not in a good place with your partner, what are some lessons that you have learned and you want to work together as a team to do better and to love each other more earnestly, honestly, and with, you know, that full exposure so that your partner knows you. That's huge. All right. 
I'm going to stop talking now. And if you're trying to figure out who any of these dudes are by like going back and stalking me online or something, good luck because I didn't use their real names and you have no idea who I'm talking about unless you know me in real life, in which case you can probably piece together who I was talking about. But anyway, I hope that they're all doing well. Okay. My, my whole long roster of people that I dated, I really do hope and wish the best for all of them. But I'm real happy I'm not with any of them. You know what I mean? Can I get an amen? All right. Next week, I'm bringing on Aaron, the man, the myth, the legend, to talk through our decluttering process as a couple, how that's gone over the years. Spoiler alert, has not gone smoothly 100% of the time. And we have made a lot of strides in the right direction. So that'll be a fun one. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Paring Down Podcast, all about paring down relationships. See you next week, kiddos. You just listened to an episode of Paring Down with me, Shannon Laco. If you enjoyed the show, it would mean the world if you can leave a review wherever you listen and share this episode with a friend. Those reviews really are what keeps a podcast on its feet for the long haul. And I will read every single one with a huge smile on my face. So thank you ahead of time. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit subscribe. Also, be sure to follow along on Instagram at Paring Down Podcast, where I offer lots of tips and inspiration for paring down, along with what's new here on the podcast. Till next time.